0: Welcome to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast, where you can learn about the innovative ideas and technologies reshaping the healthcare industry. Join over 150,000 monthly readers and listeners all over the world. Each week, we sit down with some of the most brilliant minds in healthcare to learn what the future holds. The Healthcare Weekly Podcast, healthcare innovation, starts here. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. I am Perjan Arsene, CEO of Digital Authority Partners on Healthcare Weekly. Today's guest is Raul Shervetsov. He is the co-founder and CEO of Natural Cycles, a birth control app. Raul, thank you so much for joining the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Thank you for having me. What exactly is a birth control app and how does it work?
1: So Natural Cycles is to date the first and still the only app in women's health to be cleared by the FDA, but also in Europe for the use of birth control and fertility monitoring. And it is a hormone-free, non-invasive method of birth control where women measure their temperature every morning, type it into the app, and then the app tells them whether and when they are at risk of getting pregnant. So the app returns a red day when they are asked to use protection and green days where they're not at risk of pregnancy. And if those instructions are followed, the app is up to 98% effective. That is the so-called perfect use and it is under typical use, taking all users into account, it is ninety three percent effective. It is I think among the non hormonal non-invasive method, it is the most effective method out there that can also scale to millions of
0: users worldwide. So just for our listeners to understand the way natural cycles work, it's basically like an IoT product, right? There's a physical device and there's the mobile application which interprets the results. Can you Explain exactly what a woman would need to do each morning for this to be effective.
1: Yes. When a woman joins Natural Cycles, we send to her a thermometer. It's a very standard thermometer that you might have already at home. And then she measures in the morning. Before she gets up, she measures in her mouth. It takes about 30 seconds. And then she types in the result into the app. And that's actually the app is really the software and the algorithm behind is really what is The medical device that is used for contraception. So all the risks and all the calculations are done by the software and they return a red or
0: a green day to the woman. Gotcha. So it's a software as a medical device, medical product.
1: Yes. I think it's one of the rare examples where you have a standalone software that does the same job with more or less the same effectiveness as a pharmaceutical drug. If you think of the contraceptive pill, more than 50% of our users stop using the pill and start using our product instead for the same reason of trying to prevent pregnancies. And I think it's a very unique example where software can provide really powerful information to guide a woman's
0: health decisions, basically. So I think you mentioned that holistically across all groups, this particular solution, uh, the natural cycle has a 93% effectiveness rate. Can you talk to me about how this compares to the other types of birth control options available on the market in terms of effectiveness?
1: Yeah, in terms of effectiveness, natural cycles is more effective, let's say, than using the condom alone. The condom has an effectiveness rate of 85%. The pill is 91%, so it's in the same ballpark as the pill, which also makes sense because it's something that you do on a daily basis. And then there are methods that are more effective, like implants that are always inside the body that's where you remove any compliance issues, really. And they become like 99% effective or more. And then you have also like irreversible methods such as vasectomy and female sterilization, which are also highly effective. Then from a side effect perspective, of course, natural cycles has no side effects, which is of course one of the main benefits and the main reason why our users are looking for such a method and are choosing to use natural cycles. And I think in the end, when it comes to choosing your birth control method, it's not just looking at the effectiveness and the side effect profile, but kind of thinking about what the woman in her current life stage needs and present her with the pros and cons of several high-quality methods and so she
0: can choose which one makes the most sense for her. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Raul, you are the co-founder and CEO of Natural Cycles. How did you and the other co-founders come up with this idea and why did you start, start this company and create this product?
1: Yeah, I started the company six years ago together with my wife. At that time she was my girlfriend. And we really started out of a personal need and we came at it from different angles. From a personal need perspective, she was on hormone contraception. She wanted after being ten years on it to take a break from it. We were in a pretty stable relationship at that time and were considering to have children in a couple of years, but not quite yet. So we were looking to bridge those years with something that would be effective yet not invasive and hormone free. So we looked at what was available out there on the market. And once you remove the hormonal options and the invasive options, what you're left with is condom, the sponge, diaphragm, very kind of like medieval type of methods. And there was also a category which was called fertility awareness-based methods, which is all revolves around the concept to identify the days where you're fertile so you can use protection on those days and be free of using any protection outside that window. The problem with those methods was that they had very rudimentary and simple algorithms or rules on how you decide whether a day is fertile or not. It was like classic public health averages where you say like you wait three days and if you compare that to the previous five days and there's a difference, then you're good to go and or you just count days in the cycle. It's kind of what period trackers today and the apps are based on. And the problem with those methods was that but they were maybe simple to follow, they were very prone to failure, especially with cycle irregularities, which frankly is more the norm than the exception. So it led to bad results and bad effectiveness rates. But we realized that if you actually develop an algorithm that really adapts on an individual level, it does not take any public health averages into account, but personalizes itself to the woman and collects data from that woman and applies it specifically to her you can make it more effective. And we were both physicists at that time. And Helena was working on the Higgs boson discovery, which was probably one of the most advanced statistical analysis ever performed. And so she, over those years at CERN, acquired those skills to develop algorithms, basically to analyze data, find patterns, understand when this pattern is due to a real signal and not just a fake signal or fluctuations from the device that is used on things like this. Personally, I was also a researcher in physics. I work more on sensor technology. And I think what got us excited about natural cycles was the fact that it really addressed a huge unmet need in the world, that of contraception. And I think it's something that, you know, like really ties into some of the most pressing issues in society, which is climate change and being mindful of having a limited amount of resources and figuring out a way to have a more sustainable life Here on this planet. And that was the reason why I went into the physics in the first place. I always had that ambition to become an entrepreneur and create a company that was based on a technology that would really help solve those big energy issues that we're facing. And the sensors that I've been working on, they had very interesting results from the mental physics perspective, but they were pretty far away from an implementation perspective. So when I was like thinking about what other businesses I could start based on the field that I was interested in, and when Elena out of that personally started to look into these things, I realized that contraception is actually really like the other side of the equation. You know, it's not the amount of energy that is consumed, but the number of people that will ultimately consume that energy. And so that, I think, was very interesting from a society perspective. And then when you started talking to Elena, and my wife, but also her friends, everybody had a very strong personal story to tell about this struggle that they had, finding the right birth control method for them. And so we really felt that this was something meaningful, important, and we had the skills to actually develop a technology that would dramatically improve the
0: contraceptive landscape. So that's how we started. That's a very good story. Congratulations on growing this company over the last, how long has it been? Like seven, eight years?
1: Yeah, we started in middle of 2013, so it must be now seven years ago.
0: Excellent. And how many people are currently using your application around the world?
1: So we have 2 million users that have registered to Natural Cycles. And among those, we have 200,000 that are active more or less every day. Here in the United States, your platform works as a subscription, correct? Yes. Globally, it's the same. Everybody pays a subscription can choose between paying yearly. $90 or monthly,
0: $10, and then they get access to that service. So that means basically you have 2 million customers at this moment in time, correct? Yeah. Excellent. And um, I also noticed that you guys have received numerous rounds of funding. So I wanted to ask you, when is the last time you received funding and what are your priorities with regards to growing the company?
1: Yeah, the funding was something that was really necessary to bring this product to market because it's, if you think about it, it's a very disruptive product, very innovative product. A woman completely circumvents the healthcare system and goes straight to the app store and buys her birth control from there. And with that comes a lot of complexity. You know, you need to obviously ground it in science. You need to run trials to show that this is an effective method that you can trust it. It was very unclear at the time what how regulators were thinking about it because the regulations were written for hardware devices. And that was a lot more predictable on how to bring those to market. But this was a software that didn't touch anybody, yet it was as powerful as a pharmaceutical drug. So there was a lot of things that needed to be figured out. And figuring things out take time and they take money. And that's why it was necessary for us to raise money. But the company now is growing consistently every month, every year. And as a company, we also very close to breaking even. Next year, we should be able to stand our own feet. We're in a pretty good position now, also thanks to the funding that we raised historically. The last round was, I believe, three years ago. So. Yeah, that
0: crunch in 2017 is when you got $30 million. Correct. Scaling up and operations like this must come with its own uh, challenges. And uh, you briefly mentioned that there were some regulatory compliance challenges. Can you kind of compare and contrast some of these regulatory compliance issues between, let's say, launching this product in Europe and in the United States? I think there was not a huge difference between Europe and the United
1: States. The regulations were fuzzy and unclear everywhere in the world because it was so new. We were really the first to come out with a product like that and say that this is birth control, you can use it as such. And it's easy to use and effective. And so I think the what we've done was that we started in our home market in Europe, in Sweden in particular, and everybody had a different opinion about it. So we asked the Swedes, the Germans, the UK people, and everybody had a different opinion. So what we did in the end, and the way the regulatory system in Europe is set up is that nobody really approves anything. They delegate this decision to third parties, so-called notified bodies, that do the approval process for you. But they're not gonna move unless they think themselves that this is a medical device. And since everybody thought something differently, there was just no way to bring this to market. So we forged our own path by saying this is how we interpret the law and this is what it's gonna be. And then the regulators, when we were on the market, started waking up and then they started to talk to us and say, like, actually we think you should be in a different risk category and go back to your notified bodies. And then we went back to them. We kind of forged a path. And now it is very clear if you want to bring a birth control app to the market, what you need to do in Europe, right? And once we did it in Europe, we had also kind of learned which arguments to use when we went to the FDA and we said to the FDA, this is what we believe it's going to be. You know, it's a high risk product. Women will quit the pill. They will use this instead. They will rely on it just as much. You need to regulate us the same way as a medical device that is used for contraception like a condom. And the FDA was much quicker. They created a whole new category for us, mobile apps for contraception, where we would become the first product in there. That was a smoother process, but it's also because we learned a lot from Europe and our iterations there. And I believe they also talked to each other, actually, the FDA
0: with the Europeans on that subject, on our product. How do you measure the 93% effectiveness? Like, have you done any trials? Is it based on user feedback? I'm just curious about the methodology of providing that accuracy rate when you talk about natural cycles. Yeah, of course. I think
1: it's a very classic contraceptive effectiveness trials that we have run with the only difference which is better, in my opinion, is that we ran it in real life. So it was not a controlled setting where everybody went to a clinic, they got instructions from a doctor, and then a nurse were calling them up on a regular basis to see how they were doing we kind of simulated the real life environment of a user subscribing to natural cycles and using it as a regular user without any special attention given to them and then measuring how many people get pregnant in a year. That's ultimately, you know, you establish the risk of pregnancy by counting how many women get pregnant in a year. We had one of the largest trials with more than 22,000 women involved. Usually the contraceptive trials only have a couple of thousand. And so we measured the primary outcomes such as contraceptive effectiveness, both if they used the product as instructed and, on average,
0: understanding that not everybody uses the product as instructed every cycle of the year. I don't know anything about contraception, personally. I'm just looking at this as a business idea with like a product that's solving for an actual issue on the market. But one of the things I was thinking is, is you're talking about, regulatory compliance, how it works and the fact that people need to use as intended is the issue of liability, like if women actually get pregnant while using this and how does the company deal with that issue and outcome?
1: Yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind that pharmaceuticals generally get sued because of side effects, not because of unintended pregnancies. Given that natural cycles has no side effects, our product cannot really harm people the same way as a pharmaceutical product does. And therefore, the risk of litigation is also significantly smaller. Having said that, it is with the medical device space, especially in the United States, and the pharmaceutical space is a litigious environment. And we, of course, as a company also have prepared ourselves for such an event in the future, simply because it's the nature of running a business in this type of environment. You have to prepare and expect something like this, the more successful you will be, the more likelihood there will be a litigation. In our case, as I said, since we don't have any side effects, therefore cannot induce serious harm the same way as a pharmaceutical product can, the risk is lower. And for us, it's very important that our marketing is always in line and can always be traced back to clinical evidence which is something that we as a company are grounded in. We are grounded in science. And when we communicate something, it always has substance and it always has scientific backups. And I think that's really key that you, in your marketing, you are, of course, excited about your product and you get customers excited about using it. But you also have to be transparent about the risks and be balanced and provide a correct net impression about what it is like to use natural cycles for birth control. So yes, it's effective. Yes, it's hormone-free. You get to learn about your body. You can later use it to plan a pregnancy. Those are all the benefits. And then the drawbacks are that even if you use it perfectly, it's not going to be 100% effective. No birth control is. That's very important to understand. To really achieve the 98% effectiveness, you have to use protection on red days. And not always will couples comply with that. And finally, there is also... Some work related to measuring on a daily basis that requires some effort. It's not effortless. Having said that, we also in our product development, we really look at like, how can we make the product easier to use to increase compliance left and right? Ultimately, the biggest challenge is to get men to use condoms on red days. And so like really ensuring that we give as many green days as possible without sacrificing the safety of a green day and for the woman to make the data collection part as easy to use as effortless to use, those are areas that the
0: product can evolve further and lead to even better outcomes. Just to clarify, green days is basically a notification you get on the app where the person using this app is told that she can have sex on that particular day and the likelihood of getting pregnant is very low, correct? Correct. Without using contraception. Yes. Can you tell me, I'm just personally curious, for the average user, how many such green days would they normally see on a month?
1: So they would end up roughly a user with a fairly regular cycle, measuring five days out of seven. would can expect two-thirds of green days and one-third of red days in a month. And the first month, since the algorithm just is getting to know, there's a three-month period where the algorithm gets to know the individual woman. So the first three months, she can expect slightly more red days. And then that window of red days shrinks towards that one-third metric that I just mentioned. And then it stays relatively stable over time. Around a third of the month is red and the other two-thirds is green.
0: You mentioned earlier that at its core, you are a healthcare company driven by science. Can you explain to us in lay terms how does the science work? So I use the monitor, put it in my mouth in the morning... I get a number, the number gets put inside the application. Side so question is like, how come the thermometer cannot pass that information directly and automatically to the app? But the first thing I want to know is like, can you explain the science of the application and the reading on the thermometer?
1: Yeah. I think
0: it's very important to know that
1: all the heavy lifting is done by the algorithm and the software. The thermometer is an accessory. That is necessary to produce data that is fed into the algorithm. Next year we'll have a Bluetooth thermometer where you don't have to type in the data anymore. It will be transferred automatically. And we also submitted to the FDA recently data that where you can also use a wearable or you just don't do anything in the morning anymore. You just simply wear the wearable during the night and that will automatically feed into the algorithm. So that part of the experience with natural cycles will improve. And then everything goes into the main algorithm, the main software, and that's the science behind. There is, on one hand, grounded in very established medical science about ovulation and how ovulation impacts body temperature and other biomarkers. And then the second part is the algorithm itself, the science of the algorithm, which really goes back to Elina's work back in the days in physics on the Higgs boson discovery, and I can speak to both of them a little bit if you want. Yeah, absolutely. On the medical side, what happens is that throughout the menstrual cycle, there's a change in hormonal concentration of various hormones, and they're kind of like an orchestrated interplay of hormones leading up to ovulation, after which the progesterone in the body rises. And surprisingly, nobody really knows why, but the progesterone warms the body. So then basically by tracking the body temperature, you can confirm that ovulation has occurred. And then before ovulation occurs, there's a couple of additional hormones such as the LH hormone, the luteinizing hormones that rise before ovulation that tell you with a great likelihood that ovulation will happen within the next one or two days. By measuring continuously throughout the menstrual cycle points in the temperature or the LH hormone, you'll be able to predict and then eventually confirm that ovulation has occurred. And that's really the core, right? And then comes the fact that sperm can also survive up to five days, up to six days in the female body. And so the key is really to predict ovulation before it happens, and then also take into account uncertainties that you might, you know, on statistical estimates to estimate the uncertainties correctly to make sure that you have enough buffer before your predicted ovulation to take into account sperm survival and the fact that ovulation might happen earlier this month. And then when the ovulation is then confirmed, you can then record that ovulation as a new data point in your algorithm and clear the rest of the cycle until the upcoming menstruation that there's no more risk of pregnancy. So the key really lies in predicting and identifying ovulation. And on the algorithm side, it's really estimating risks related and uncertainties around your prediction and identification. And so that the best way to see it is like when Elena, for instance, was working on the Higgs boson, there was massive amount of data happening in the shortest amount of time, and then you know there were signals all over the place, and you had to find the Higgs boson, which was like a needle in the haystack, so you had to see what bump in the data is due to the Higgs boson and what is due to sensor noise, some other collisions, and so she kind of developed algorithms and filters to really filter out what made it, what is really a real signal due to the Higgs boson versus something else. And kind of that same principle, you can apply it onto detecting ovulation. There's a lot of fluctuations in data because women sleep longer than usually, or they had alcohol the night before. They were stressed and that all that impacts also the data, but that's okay. That just affects basically the uncertainty levels that we estimate. And then kind of combining those two sciences, that's the foundation of
0: cycles. Since you are in so many countries and you have such a huge sample data of two million users, are there any variations geographical or otherwise in between women?
1: Yeah, we've looked a great deal at that, and so far there's no fundamental difference between nations. I would say the difference is more like related to age, the BMI, even a little bit too things like this not really like uk versus sweden versus us i think fundamentally the menstrual cycle works the same and then age has an impact and other health indicators like the BMI have also an impact on the overall fertility of the woman and that's kind of what we found we do see behavioral differences especially when it comes to behavior on red days for instance like using protection some countries are better at using protection than others That's more
0: culturally driven than physiologically driven. Can you go into more details around that? Like, I would be interested, for example, in knowing, and I'm making things up because I don't know the data, if, for example, women in the UK use the product as intended more so than women in other parts of the world.
1: Yeah, I think the Swedes, for instance, are those that are the least good at using protection on red days. That we found interesting. We see that otherwise the UK and the US is pretty similar. Brazil, people are very good at using protection. I think it has to do a little bit, on one hand, uh, in Sweden, women and men were very used to hormonal contraception, so using condom was something that was rather foreign, and so the man does not really expect or is used to wearing condoms, and therefore it's also a little bit more against it, which affects the compliance rate, which is interesting for a country that is otherwise very advanced when it comes to Emancipation, so that was different in Sweden. While the UK and the US are similar, also I guess culturally, and in Brazil, people are more compliant overall on red days. I think it's a lot that has to do about how used couples and people are in general at using protection. If you're used to it, natural cycle will be a very effective and great solution. If you're absolutely not used to it and you're against using it, then this becomes difficult. Absolutely. So you
0: mentioned. Briefly, that uh, part of your roadmap is the creation of a wearable device that will automatically collect data and then send it to the application. Can you talk more about it? Yes. If you look at our user feedback, people love using Natural Cycles. They're
1: so happy that they found that the App Store reviews are really a great source of motivation for everybody working in the company at Natural Cycles because it's so rewarding to see. How we positively impact people's life, but they're also consumers, and consumers are amazing at telling you what you should work on. And if you listen to them, it's basically the routine of measuring is something that they would like to make easier, right? So on one hand, the Bluetooth connection to avoid having to type something in the app to do one less thing in the morning. If you think even further, just completely removing the measurements would be something extremely exciting for our users and interesting. And the wearables are really on the rise, like the Apple Watch, Fitbits, have really become more and more prevalent. And so we actually wanted to look into, if it's from a physics perspective even possible, to run our algorithms on data collected on a wearable because the data quality there, it's on the arm or on the finger, and that's not the body temperature, it's the skin temperature that you measure. But we have, in the first trial, used the Aura platform. So they have an API and users, when they wear the ring, we can take the information from there. And we run a very controlled trial there to see if it's as good as natural cycles, the current use case. And what we've found is that it's actually at least as good, if not better. So we submitted that data to the FDA in an attempt to basically open up to more wearables. I think maybe we'll do our own wearable, but I think in an ideal world, we'll be able to be on any wearable device out there. So women can choose which one is their favorite, whether it's a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or an Oura Ring. And we will be there with our algorithms and our software to run on top of that. So that's something that we're very excited about. We call it wearable birth control. And I think that's really the future. And I think Fitbit just launched a watch with a temperature center. Amazon also came out with a band that measures temperature. There will be more and more players out there. And I think the temperature will be a part of most wearable devices and together with the heart rate and other sensors, we'll be able to run our algorithms on it and women will be able to access their birth control through their wearable.
0: Especially in the thermometer space, there's been tremendous progress being made towards having smart devices, like at least here in the United States, the most popular one that became very famous in the early days of the coronavirus because of their ability to look at data and predict new red areas when it comes on to COVID infection is a company called Kinza. They're out of San Francisco. I think they sold tens of millions of devices. And as you're talking, I was just thinking in the back of my head, like how cool would it be if you guys and Kinza had a partnership and you could use their existing APIs and just pull the data directly into the existing mobile application or any other such partnerships that would move both your company, but also this industry and this particular niche towards a more integrated approach versus a fragmented one. Yeah, absolutely. They have a great
1: thermometer and I love what they're doing with their public health API. And I think our data would actually be very useful for the API because our users measure temperature every day. So not just when they're sick. So it's a very nice baseline to compare against. And we've also seen very similar results actually to Kinz in our own database. I think indeed that it's great to have more use cases for the same technology, basically.
0: Absolutely. So as we come close to the end of the podcast, I want to ask you to just talk a little bit about the future. And it's kind of a two-part question. A, where do you see your company five years from now? And B, where do you see this field of contraception evolving as more and more technologies are reaching the market and becoming adopted at scale? Absolutely. I think we are the category leader in the space
1: of digital contraception. And we're going to double down in this field to really scale this product globally, try to make it available to all women. So that also includes reimbursement, for instance, while also driving product improvements and always staying on top of the latest technology. So you're talking about connected thermometers, wearables as they're on the rise. We really see that we are extremely well positioned with the data that we have and the FDA clearance to stay really ahead of the competition in this field and bring hormone-free, non-invasive contraception globally to the world, and I think this will have a phenomenal impact globally. We think also a little bit beyond just contraception. We're thinking more broader women's health, and within women's health, we're also not necessarily confining ourselves to the reproductive organs. It's just health, but our primary focus is on women. So it doesn't have to be necessarily something related to fertility, though right now we're in contraception, our product is also used to plan pregnancies, so it is in the fertility space, and we also have plans to apply kind of the same mindset that we have of solving unmet needs digitally also in the space of menopause, especially the symptoms around hot flashes, being able to detect and predict them and find ways digitally to manage them. And it's not manageable digitally to kind of tailor medication and treatment to the users based on personalized insights and i think we can build a big company within the space of women's health where it's all about empowering women with personalized health information to take good decisions on health and alleviate the pressure on the healthcare system so that you don't always run to the doctor every time and you don't always take a pill but you infuse a lot of information first into the decision process and you personalize it to the user
0: Raul co founder and CEO of Natural Psychals. Thank you so much for joining the Healthcare Weekly Podcast today. Thank you. my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to visit us at healthcareweekly.com. Subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app to get a notification every time a new episode is released. Do you know of an inspirational health leader who should be on our podcast? Email us at hello at healthcareweekly.com with details. Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Healthcare innovation starts here.